all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I am. Are you? Leslie is. Leslie is really ready. Really ready. Very cool. Well, as we often joke, I get ready when I hear the music. (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah. So, say yes to spirit. Welcome. And um, we did this show on a weekly basis to remind ourselves to say yes to spirit and to encourage you on your spiritual path. Every week we have a theme, and this week our theme is justice. And last week our theme was spiritual prototypes. So, as Leslie loves to do, it is now time on the show to connect the dots. You know, I think we should have some connect the dots music. (laughs) That was kind of enough to say, as I obsessively have to do. That was kind of you. Yes, because I'm a very kind person who is able to suspend suspend judgment <laughs> sometimes. Verbally, right? At least verbally. Yes, I have control over mm-hmm. my biases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. We, we appreciate that. And I wonder what connected dot music would sound like. Dot, 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 dot. Something like more code or... Or like a Mission or, Impossible kind of thing. That or a Mission that, Impossible thing. Or a... Um, um, Something that, see, now I'm going to go on this search <laughs> for some music where the title of the song is Connected Dots. Oh. Even though, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, next week, next show, we'll have Connected wow. Dots theme music so that you will know whether we say it or not <laughs> that you are going into the Connect the Dots segment. Which I think somebody is going to post on the site this week that they enjoy the Connect the Dots. I think someone's going to do that. I'm sure I they might are. get someone to do that. Just a friend. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah. You may have to pay someone. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, connecting the dots to a topic of uh, of the the prototype. I see I never even, even after the show, I really, I still didn't quite understand what it was. So it's going to be very hard for me to connect the dots. The prototype we decided was the spiritual prototype. Spiritual prototype was the like, like the cookie cutter inside us that is like the it, the God itself, right? Please listen to last week's <laughs> show so that you can better understand what the spiritual prototype is. It's like the well, essence. spiritual. It's the essence. It has no form. Right. Okay. So it makes it cookie, cookie cutter. Exactly. Oh, right, right, right. So it has no form, <sighs> and then. Uh, it's the, but it's the prototype for whatever comes from that essential nature. So connecting the dots to that, to justice, wow. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm not, okay, yeah. so what you can't see because we're on radio. Oh, look, there's a... Well, we, what you can't see because you're on radio is be, is that Tracy almost choked <laughs> on her drink because in two years of doing this show, I think there's only been one other time where Leslie has said, I got nothing on Connect the Dots. My favorite part of the whole show. And we only do Connect the Dots because <laughs> she likes to connect those things. So I feel safer. Uh, yeah, safe is good. So the one possible connected dots could be that with a spiritual prototype being something that has no form but then shows up in material form or in our world representing that prototype, that justice is what shows up in our lives as the the, um, spiritual prototype of equality, that we think that people are treated fairly, um, mm. Or it could be that the spiritual prototype idea or concept that everything has 
it's based in spirit, mm-hmm. in formless form, or in a formless energy, that justice is what shows up in terms of the decisions that are made and the treatment that people get um, that, again, shows our physical form to our concept of fairness. Kind of like karma. Would that be karma? We get, it would be justice. We get in, we get in, we get out while we put in the energy. That doesn't work so much for me. Okay, good. So you should be quiet about it. Um, because justice in my, which we'll talk about, it we'll get into, you know, one of my things about justice is, you know, justice is different depending on the eye of the beholder. Oh, golly, yeah. And you don't always, when we often talk about justice, it's often because we are experiencing injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into that as we talk today. Well, you did an excellent job of connecting a dot. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Not all the dots. I appreciate that. Because I had nothing. Um, so that's okay. It's like I said, only uh, twice mm-hmm. in two years. That is pretty impressive. Uh, so let's take a quick break, and then that gives us more time to dig into this um, concept of justice and what the saying yes to spirit has to do with justice. <laughs> Encouraging you on your spiritual path. And this week our theme is justice. And if you saw the write-ups on the um, show page, the questions are justice, what is it, and how do you know when it has been served? And is there such a thing as spiritual justice? Oh, that's a deep conversation we have to, like, tease with and come in about 15 minutes from now. <laughs> well, yeah, we need to start with what do we think of as justice. So I love what you said right before the break about, well, justice, isn't that, I mean, isn't that kind of like karma? You get what you, you get back whatever mm-hmm. you put out there. And I don't know. I mean, when I think about the court system and you do you know, a lot, I was going to say, and you're in jail several days a week. Yeah. But in case there's somebody who doesn't know that, of the story, I should say, you go work at the jail with yes, women yes, who are in jail several days a week. week. Go out of the jail. Yeah, you're, you're not living there. Um, but the idea with people who are in jail feel like it was that justice was served. I did X, and so now I am in jail. Because we, what we hear so much about is people saying, I did X, but I shouldn't be in jail. Well, the thing of it that just is, un, I can never wrap my head around is, I can do X and nothing happens to me. You can do X and you go to jail for 20 years. So, you know. Don't even start me. Right, right. So no, there's no, no justice there at all. There's right. no justice there. In a system, I think, in the American system. It's really interesting yesterday, and I hope no one's attendance at luncheon is actually listening because it would be terrible. But our founder uh, received an award from a, a judicial body here in the Dallas area for the work that she's done with incarcerated women. Yes. Which was fabulous. But it was interesting because there was a room full of people 
who really believe that our criminal justice system is fair and just. <laughs> and yeah. I was sitting at a very small table with people that were like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's based on how much money you have and how good of a lawyer you have and, you know, what particular police officer pulled you over, you know, and what are their ideas and biases. So it really is such a hot topic in my mind because I see these, I mean, really in the Dallas area, it, it really is a socioeconomic issue. If I got pulled over and got a DWI, you know, I would have everybody I know pull their money and post bail and I would get out of jail and wait four or five months until I went to trial and whatever happened, happened. But we have... Well, and you would, in the meantime, get connected with an attorney. Right. Who, right. All right. Um, yesterday, um, Without mentioning where I was, um, I was in a meeting. Right. And um, um, a man who appears to be in his early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, made a comment about, and and this relates to justice, but really on the injustice side, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about in the town where he lives, in the city where he lives, just a couple of weeks ago, he was pulled over, mm. and he was really very funny about how he told the story. It was very entertaining, but he was like, I looked in my mirror, and there was a police car, and he had his pretty lights going, <laughs> you know, his pretty lights going, and, you know, but basically he got pulled over, and he didn't think he had done anything wrong. He wasn't sure why. And the officer, you know, he gets his um, ID, his license, and his registration papers out, and he has them ready, and the officer comes to the window. And he's like, oh, good afternoon, officer. How are you? You know, very courteous. The officer basically pulled him over because his inspection, his uh, registration sticker had was expired. Oh, right, sure. No big deal, right. no major thing, and but the gentleman's observation was he was courteous, he was non the driver, the driver yeah. was courteous. He, in the eye of the police officer, you know, probably seemed like his grandfather mm-hmm. um, could relate to him. They were, you know, both white. The older man was, you know, kind, and the officer basically said, well, you know, I pulled you over because your registration has expired. Were you aware of that? Which the driver actually hadn't been paying attention and mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, so you just need to go take care of that. Uh-huh. And, you know, walked away. No warning, no ticket, definitely no arrest, and no um, tension. Right. So this older white gentleman who was telling the story said, who, had, who was the driver said, you know, but what's so bad is I know if I had been 30 or 40 years younger or more and my skin was brown. He said that. Like I said, oh, yeah, good for him. My skin was brown. And even though I said, yes, sir, the officer would have heard it as with an attitude. Mm-hmm. And my papers were correct. He said, you know, I know I wouldn't have just been told, go, mm-hmm. you know, just go take care of that wow. now. Wow. And I can even see someone being, whose skin was not the color of mine, being arrested. And, you know, just because their sticker was expired and they had not, their, and they had not noticed it. Mm-hmm. And it was a really powerful moment mm-hmm. because it wasn't someone who was Hispanic or black saying, this is what happens to me or this happened mm-hmm. to my friend. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and feeling angry or upset about it. It was because it was a seven-year-old right. white man who recognizes that everybody is not treated the same in the city where he lives and he doesn't like it. Wow. So the idea of justice, when we talk about it, it is really interesting that we have this concept that justice means everybody is treated fairly and equally, and that you are treated in 
in a way that responds to exactly what you did. What you did, right. But what you said, Leslie, was, you know, interesting that you could do or five people could do the same thing and have five different Absolutely. outcomes. Absolutely. And that just drives me nuts. Because <laughs> really that, you know, that sets the system. The system is is so unjust that there's no way to feel confident that, you know, when something unjust happens, it's really going to be responded to. Because there are real unjust situations that sometimes, you know, they don't get the attention that they need because, you know, we're just kind of in a system that's murky. Murky. So the whole judicial system, and, you know, I... uh, I am almost terrified when I am pulled over by the police because I just have that guilty kind of feeling that they're going to find something that I didn't know and they have complete authority over me and I get in that whole control and that, you know. So I just turn into like this really sort of mix between being totally like subservient and totally trying to engage them and like, you know, get them involved in some banter, which police officers hate. Hate to do. And I just can't help myself. I can't stop myself. <laughs> and so I'm really so shocked that it's really bad that I've never been arrested. It's really lucky I've never been arrested. I'm going to say I'm so shocked that in the time I've known you, I have not gotten that call saying, uh, "I couldn't stop talking and trying to be friendly," and they arrested me and can you bail me out of jail? Just because you were talking Just to them. Just because I was trying ma'am, to engage. Ma'am, could you be quiet now? <laughs> uh, ma'am. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we have to arrest you. And you know that is so. It it does. It kind of takes the human out, humanness out of it too. In some ways. In some ways, it takes the humanness out of it. My shirt's on backwards. Tracy's <laughs> staring at my shirt. That's good, Tracy. And, you know, I had a client right before here, and I kept noticing her looking at the exact same spot that you're looking at. And apparently my client didn't have something in the side of her that well, allowed her to say, your shirt's on backwards. Well, not backwards, inside out. Inside out. So what's funny is, yeah, thank you. I was going to... I was going to say, maybe we should take a break, because I knew I was going to go Uh huh. And so I was going to wait till the break and ask you if there was a reason why you were wearing your shirt inside out. I mean, the guy could be, could be, could be. You never know the thing, you know? Young people wear their pants below <laughs> their butt. I thought it might be a new thing to oh, wear that's your shirt so funny. <laughs> Your little eye went to the exact same spot. Just a little client because I had a well, client. It's the we look in the top, you know, right shoulder area. Or, uh, yes, and so that's so funny. When your eye looked there, again, I thought, why is everybody looking at my top right shoulder? So when I looked down, it was obvious. That's what you do when you get dressed really quickly. In the dark. In the dark, yeah. before meditation. Okay, so um, justice. Justice. <laughs> So do you uh, think? Oh. Well, do you think the idea that? Because I know you know working in the jail, I do see many women have you know <clears throat> what people call jailhouse conversions, or you know having you know they find God while they're in jail. So I certainly see even in the unjust circumstance that there is good that comes from some of these women, because they're in our program, you know, they're in a program, not necessarily just ours, they're in a program that's really invested in helping them learn new ways of thinking. So 95% of the women aren't in that program, so they're just sitting, you know, watching TV or, or sleeping, so they're not really gaining anything from being there. So those that gain something, you know, I can all see the benefit, even if it's unjust, they're still gaining something, but the majority... You know, it's just it's just absolutely lost time. So, um, so a couple of things. One, I don't think we mean to imply that there is no one in jail who belongs there. Oh, I mean to imply that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and um, and so, and I, I, you and I both believe that everyone is on their perfect path for their life or, you know, for their reunion or wholeness, 
to reflect their consciousness, you know, their connection with God. And so absolutely there could be people who, quote-unquote unjustly, have been convicted and are in jail, and then they are enlightened or they get their master's degree because they get focused on school or, you know, they heal in whatever way they need to heal, and, and it's a good thing. Um, so, and still there's that question of <coughs> justice and injustice. So actually what what I'm thinking about is let's move away from jail and the judicial system. Mm. And let's move into our everyday lives and think about justice. And um, because I think otherwise we're going to end up spending the whole show talking about lawyers and judges and Mm. all of that. And it's going to be even harder to get back to the spiritual connection because that's a... The judicial system is a man-made system. Right. So um, let's just let's move to just individualized relationships, families, communities, and and see what comes up when we think about how we talk about justice, how we think about justice, and justness or fairness. Even in families, I was, immediately what flashed in my mind was growing up with two sisters and two brothers. Mm. You know, in any family with you know multiple kids, and how often you hear one child say, "Well, that's not fair." Right. That you know, one child, one child in the family either gets to do something that the other one doesn't do, or gets punished differently. Right. Than the other one. So it's that sense again of injustice. I'm not being treated fairly, um, and that's not, you know, monitored by any law. Different families have different cultural norms, have different things, dynamics going on. Right. Step kids, real kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how do we think about justice in that context, or can we even? Are we so tied into the idea of justice and the judicial system that it doesn't even make sense to talk about it? See, I don't think about justice in terms of family dynamics. So that, but I think by its definition, there is, there, you know, I would use a different term, a lighter term, maybe you know, like that's not fair, which basically kind of means the same thing as that, you know, that's unjust. Yes, but it's the definition, the dictionary definition is justice is the quality of being fair. <laughs> That's perfect. And reasonable. And reasonable, right. And I wonder, because I, I often, you know, even Ooh. working with kids, tell me. Ooh, She's reading. In the free online dictionary. The free online. The definition of justice is conformity to moral rightness. Moral rightness. Moral rightness. In action or attitude. Righteousness. Isn't that interesting? Conformity to moral rightness. Yeah, because if we're going to go down a spiritual path, my 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 belief system would, would, would tend to say, you know, if we're all working on a spiritual path, we wouldn't really have the need for the human judicial system because we would be following our moral compass Right, it would, would wouldn't be within our nature to take advantage of harm. Mm-hmm. But I think in working with kiddos and looking at family systems, I do think to some extent there's just sort of an imbalance sometimes that is just part of it, and parents aren't ever going to be able to you know treat in a, in, a, in a equal across the board when there's two or three or four. And every day is a different day. And mom, you know, maybe had a good day that day when you came home and had an F on your paper. But mom had a bad day the day I came home and had an F on my paper. So, so many. And the idea of using that as a template for things happen that are unfair that we can certainly point to and say, oh, my boss, you know, gave him vacation and wouldn't give me vacation. You know, there's going to be always. And then the the question becomes, how do I respond to something unfair? Do I state my my feeling with confidence and assertion, or do I go about back and gossip, or do I, you know, slit their tires, or do I, you know, how do I respond to the unfairness? I guess is always where I try to come back to. Yeah, and I've been in a lot of conversations in diversity training or 
leadership development about this concept of equality versus fairness, mm. and that mm. they're really not the oh, that's interesting. You know, the same that you don't. If equally means you treat everybody the same, uh-huh. and fairness means you treat everybody equitably versus equally. So I, when you gave the example of, um, of you know, two kids who get an F on different days in the same family and they might be treated differently, what flashed in my head, too, was that mom also knows what motivates child A might be different from what motivates child B, that ah. child A respond, only responds when you're strict or when you're firm or when you're directive. You will study two hours a night for the next two weeks. Child B might really only respond when they're given options that they rebel if you are really directive. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, well, you've got two options. You can create a schedule that shows me how many how you're going to study eight more hours a week, or you can um, have a tutor or whatever. Well, to child A, the fact that you're giving child B some options is like that's not fair. Uh huh. You know, you right. dictated to me. But so there's those dynamics as well, whether that's your parent, a parent, or whether that's, you know, you have a close-knit, like your sangha group, you know, or you have a close-knit group of friends who know each other really well. Right. And you just know that, you know, in a certain type of situation, this is how that person is going to react or respond. So I guess when we start talking about the all the implications in any of our relationships on the human level, it gets way complex. It does. It does. And I don't know. And then I guess that's where I teach, you know, always come back to the Al-Anon saying, of, you know, if somebody's coming at me about something, anything, it has more to do with them than me. Unless, you know, three people come at me with the exact same thing, then perhaps I should pay attention. <laughs> but ultimately we do kind of come from our own sense of our own well-being and if we have our own sense of inner well-being and equilibrium in our spirit in terms of our own selves, would we always act fairly? I guess I like that word, fairly. If I'm going to think about it in terms of my life, I'm going to use the word fair instead of justice. Because justice, I don't know why, but my mind just goes to the jail. Justice takes it to a whole different level. Fair. Oh, fair. I can do fair. Okay, so... So talk about spiritual fairness? Is spirit fair? It's not fair. Well, so I'm thinking about the... um, The scripture, eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. Is that fair? Is that in the Old Testament? In the... Yes. In the uh, punishing... Condemning years. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. Ooh, doesn't that sound harsh? Eye for an eye. What's the where, where's the scripture turn the other cheek? Is that the New Testament? The gentler, softer God. Okay, we are not going there. <laughs> but there is a turn the other cheek scripture, isn't there? Yes, or you could, let's stay in the Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, one of the command, Ten Commandments is to love thy neighbor. So how does that eye to eye, eye for an eye? Well, my neighbor took my eye out, and I love my neighbor as myself, but I wouldn't go take their eye out. But if they did, I, then I wouldn't necessarily, or some people might say, then I would take my own eye out. I mean... I would because they did that to me. Now I'm gonna do that to them, but I didn't want them to do it to me. If I'm loving them the way I would want someone to love me, I just I would not retaliate. Right? Yes, I would not. So it's different from saying it's the same as saying turn the other cheek, but it's yes. still in the Old Testament. So I am, um, you know, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Um, Oh my goodness, does the scripture actually say tooth for a tooth? Yeah. 
I never heard that. Does it say ear for an ear? How far does it take to... Okay, so now you're going to make me go find the actual <laughs> scripture so that... I, I just never heard it. a tooth for the tooth. Oh, but you know, that would I would spend a lot of time if I had to kind of, you know, meet fire with fire every time that I felt like I was being, quote-unquote, attacked. But the, but the question is, is that justice? Is that justice? If you kill someone, you should be killed. Oh, gosh. No, I don't think so. I think if I kill someone and I'm killed, then that's just as, you know, unjust, right? But an eye for an eye. You know, I and I, um, to me that, that comes up in this conversation because obviously when we say justice, that you should, well, we assume justice, that you should be punished appropriately for what you do, justice should be brought. That's how we often use it. We don't even think about justice, that you should receive love equal right. to what you give, you know, that you should receive in, in equal measure to what you give. So um, let's see if I can get the whole scripture from Exodus. And it's interesting, too, because I think um, when I respond to other people in terms of trying to punish them or, you know, get back at them, get get even, um, you know, I get more of that back. I I can think of examples in the car. I have a bit of an issue with rage in my vehicle. And so, like, if somebody pulls in front of me, I will, or have been known up until today, to, you know, speed around, pull in front of them and slam my brake on just to help them understand what that felt like. No. Yes, I know it's hard to believe. So, uh, and what I have noticed is then, you know, then I've gotten, in, you know, I'm engaging this battle, you know, for the next 10 minutes while I'm driving down the same highway with this car where we're now both trying to, you know, scare one another. And I have seen the opposite of that in terms of when someone cuts me off or does something in the car that's upsetting me, and I'm not in that trigger reactive mode. I'm not in an unhealthy place, and I just kind of, you know, let them over. I don't have any kind of reaction, and then let's say we pull up at a stop sign together. Many times I've noticed they'll look over at me and go like, I'm sorry, because they didn't even know, you know, but then, right. then they realized I was right there, and that's the only way they could kind of communicate was to wait till we get, you know, up to the stop sign, and they were like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Versus, you know, poor me, if I get, you know, poor me, do you see how I'm the aggressor? Uh, yeah. It becomes poor me when I, you know, pull in front of them and then I engage this poor person that was, you know, feeling sorry. And I'm doing it intentionally, right? Yeah. They did it unintentionally. Wow. Who gets the bad karma there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be me. <clears throat> so, anyway, I'm just saying that the eye for an eye, if I respond in like manner, many times I might be escalating a situation that, you know, could be de-escalated pretty quickly. So the 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 often quoted, not the most quoted, I thought, and I comes up several times in the Bible, but the Exodus 21st chapter is the one that people refer to the most. And actually it's the 24th verse, and technically you, like, need to read everything that, comes before oh, that to, that to you know, that... Understand the real meaning. To understand the deeper meaning. But how it often gets used is, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound foot for wound, foot. stripe for stripe. And if, and, you know, before that, if, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follows, he shall should be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. Um, and if any mischief follows, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And what's interesting about that is, you know, what you hear people quote is eye for an eye, tooth right. for tooth, life for life. I'm going to say the same foot for a foot. But the reality is, let's see if I can uh, 
is a reference that I saw just quickly. Um, eye for an eye. So where does this eye for an eye idea come from? This is um, from a website called GodInScience.org. It also comes from the Old Testament law. In fact, it was the prescribed punishment for crimes committed by one person against another. However, unlike Jesus' example, these were serious crimes such as assault against a pregnant woman or murder. For these kinds of crimes, judges, right. not individual people, in the community, but judges were given the authority to determine guilt and punishment no different than we do in modern society. The authority to take an eye for an eye was never given to an individual, but always reserved for the legal system of the state. In Israel, not only were serious crimes punished, but false accusations of serious crime against an innocent party were to be punished eye for an eye, so that Quote, the rest will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you, end quote. So it is interesting that I can say, if not every time, almost every time I've ever heard anybody refer to I for not, they are talking about individual retaliation for something that uh, was done. Something that I do to you because you did something to me. But if you do read that whole chapter 21, the first, the 23 verses before, I mean chapter 24, no, 21, the 23 verses before, Exodus 21:24, there are several references in there to basically what we would refer to in our time as the judicial system. Um, and there are all these, you know, caveats. It's not saying you, it's always an eye for an eye. And in fact, right after that, that scripture, it talks about or it shares some examples that are um, when if something happened, you would then, it, you would do something other than retaliate eye for an eye or choose that as a judgment. Mm -hmm. It talks about if you own slaves and you, injured them, that because of that, you would release them. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, you would give them their freedom because you had caused this injury to them. Hmm. And, I, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard that. No, that's not talked about. about. Yeah, we don't talk about that much. And that the judge would have the authority to, that would be the decision. Um so I'm, just, you know, but it's funny because people will quote the Bible and say, "No, that's exactly what he deserves—an eye for an eye." Well, you have to stand your law ground, right? Stand your ground, law. Can we not not talk about that? I think we probably are going to talk uh -huh, about that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because really, you know, that's the eye for an eye. In you know, right. I have a gun, and I'm going to use it because I've decided that what you've done is a danger to me. Right. But that's not even eye for an eye. Oh, because I haven't shot my gun yet. Yeah. Right. I just you feel threatened by me, mm -hmm. and so you have the authority to kill me. Eye for an eye would be. You, you feel threatening to me, I'm going to yell back or I'm going yeah. to intimidate you in yell some back. way. Not I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that's true. That's even and, more true and than I stand your ground um, even, you know, I don't know. It's like to me it seems as if the idea that I feel threatened there's a piece in my brain that says, you know, shoot to harm, shoot to yeah, in the disable, leg so you yeah. can't run, but shoot to kill when it's just my perception. And, and, you know, here in Texas, we don't have to stand your ground. But we do have, we have shotguns. Well, we, we, have, we do have shotguns and we do have a concealed weapon permit. Oh, my God. Um, but in terms of your right to shoot someone, the really the only law we have that really gives you that right, I mean, you know, there's self-defense, which concealed weapon law, if you really, you can show self-defense. But um, 
if someone is actually in your home. That's right. That's why you drag them into your home after you shoot them on the street. Clean up the blood and then call the police. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but if someone is, you know, breaks into your home or is in your home and you yeah. are in your home, then, you know, and, and you have the right, right. to shoot, to kill, because obviously they don't belong in your home. Right. Although they're, you know, I'm, as history will tell, you know, the idea that I know this person and they're in my home and we we just had a card game and they just beat me and mm-hmm. I'm not happy about it and I told them to leave and they didn't. Ah! And so they're trespassing now because I told them to leave and they didn't and I'm killing them. I'm sure that has happened at some, you know, something like that. Right. But in general, it's, yeah, I think... If someone said, yeah, I know this person and they've been at my house all evening, they're not going to get their defense. It's going to be murder or home. It's going to be homicide. It's not going to be manslaughter. So is there a spiritual consequence? Let's say that I do. Let's say that I kill someone and I know in my heart that I wasn't really in, you know, in, in danger, that I reacted out of fear. And, you know, then okay. I'm and now you. they're now they're dead. Yes. So how? What am I left with? You know, not always going back to the women in jail, but yeah, the women in jail, whatever they have done, they certainly do process the consequences to their children. Even if it's something as mild as prostitution or drugs that they're in jail for, they're still the consequence of being away from their children and their children having to go and stay with relatives and the burden that puts on the relative. I mean, the ripple effect of, of their behavior is felt by many other people and they right. certainly feel the, the the heaviness of that burden. So does the spiritual, you know, I don't know, does spirit, is there a spiritual, you know, is, is, is burden or guilt or remorse, is there any is spirit in that at all, Tracy Brown? I don't think it could be, but now that I think it might be, but it's not, is it? It's not spirit that makes us feel guilty or ashamed. Or, that's not, not spirit, spirit, is it? That's not God. It's not spirit God that punish makes, or makes yes. me feel badly. Exactly. Mm. So what, who does that? Who makes me feel badly? You do. Oh, my God. Society does. Mm. The human creation of guilt. It's a human creation. So what happens if I've truly done something that's negative or having difficult for others? How do I, if spirit forgives me, I'm not being punished by spirit. Spirit says there's nothing to forgive. Wow, then, then I just because get a free, you are having free pass? An, you are having an experience of life, and from a human perspective that was not appropriate and you feel bad about it, but... Spirit says it's just a step on your entire life journey. What lessons are you learning from it? How do you, who and how do you choose to be as a result of it? Oh, okay, good. So spirit lets it go in the moment that it occurs. Doesn't carry it forward. Doesn't relive it ten years doesn't later. Doesn't have a judgment about it. Doesn't even have a judgment. In the even in the moment, doesn't have a judgment. Oh There's my gosh! What is this spirit thing? Do I get to be yes. that? Nothing. Is that an option? Forgive only truth. To be revealed. So whatever you do is a step, is an experience on your journey to truth. See, but that doesn't even even me and my whole liberal sense of the world and everyone should be forgiven and rehab should be replacing jails. Even in my thinking, I think, well, that's not fair. You need to feel badly, Tracy. You did something wrong. You should feel bad. You shouldn't just be able to. Well, as a person, (laughs) as a person, I'm going to have feelings that are bad or good. Mm -hmm. As a spiritual being, there is no such thing as feelings because there is no such thing as bad or good. But as a human being, am I going to have feelings? Yes. If If my whole goal is to live spirit. Okay, so now we're going to have the mystic conversation again. (laughs) Because as a human being, you Uh are going to have human experiences. Human reactions. And and that's part of the experience of being human. So Uh when you have none of that, you are no longer existing in human form. So perhaps is it a a question of um, 
uh, you know, longevity? Am I still feeling guilty over something I did 10 years ago? Something that I apologized for and made amends and no longer do? That's not, that's, that's human taken to the extreme. Or am I just, you know, having a moment to say, oh, I apologize for that, having heartfelt amends and then moving on and being free of it? Am I allowed to do that? I do think I have you're, to al- you're allowed to do both. <laughs> you're allowed by spirit to live it for whatever you want. I mean, I think, you know, it's like when um, you, you've used the example on the show quite a few times where when um, you have given an example to Reverend Beatrice about whatever, you know, you lost your job or whatever, and right. you were angry, upset, fearful, shameful, whatever, right. you had a, you were having a really strong reaction. Right. You know, and but her reaction would be, Oh great. Like this is yeah. opportunity for whatever all through that phone and slap her. Yes. Right. And I think what it is is that, you know, you notice it. I think when things I don't I I can't speak for her, but from what you said, you know, when things happen, she notices it. Mhm. And she may even have a moment of I'm disappointed or that's not how I thought it was going to be. And she very quickly moves to to that point of, well, this has to be happening for good. Right. Something good must come of this. What can I see already? Where is it? Yeah. Right. Start looking for the good. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, Reverend Marsha Magdapur, you know, one of her signature lines is look for the good and praise it. Mm-hmm. You know? That the good is always there, so what are you looking for? Right. Where Where is my focus? And so I can focus on how bad I feel about what I just did or what I did a year ago or what I did 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Or what I'm going to do in 10 minutes. <laughs> or I can say, you know, this is really hard or this is something I would never do again. Right. And here, and here's what I learned from it, and live from the what I learned from it, or I can live from the guilt that I did mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm living from the guilt that I did it, or if I'm living from the shame that that happened, yeah. I'm actually still living back in the moment when that occurred. Instead of now, right that's here. a powerful truth. That's right. I've given up my claim to the here and now because I'm still in the story of the then and that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's a long bumper sticker, but that's good. A Leslieism. There you go. Yeah. So, and I think so. That so justice. This topic of justice gets tied into: Am I living in the present, or am I living in the past? And am I living from my spiritual sense of justice, or sense of you know that, that everything is working towards is a outcome of love. See, that just trips you up, though, doesn't it? Because then you think, well, how does the 911 tower? That can't be. There can't be any kind of sense of justice around that. Gosh, that's just too deep of a question, isn't it? Well, I'm like so wanting to go there and looking at the clock thing. We have 10 minutes in the show. Like, do I want to even open that can? Uh-huh. Is there a can? Do you have a can? Do you know, do you know the answer to that? Where well, not the answer. It's just an uh, interesting, interesting conversation about, you know, when we, so I guess I'm going to open that can. So, you know, when you, when we talk about the law of averages or race consciousness, not, not in terms of ethnicity race, but the human race, the consciousness of the human race, and that, um, spirit is always guiding us to to and through evolution based on the overall consciousness of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of ways that even though I am not affirming or approving what happened in 9/11, and and you know do truly understand the terrorist attack element of that, you know there is that part of you know, yeah, is it justice from a group, from the perspective of a group of people who feel the United States has mis, 
used and abused its power in other parts of the world. I mean, you know, in those weeks and months after that attack, Americans were all, you know, it was a big thing. Why are they so mad at us? We're nice people. Totally oblivious to the the issues and the mayhem that we have caused in other parts of the world in, you know, in the context of America and democracy and our way is the best way. Right. And we are the power and we're the smartest and we're the brightest and we can tell you how to run your country. I wonder if there's something God-like in that in terms of, you know, when I lose sight, when I, when I think my God is the God, then I lose sight of your God having any value. And then if I really, because, you know, even in my personal life, I have people who love me and because of my sexuality really believe that I'm going to go to hell and they really don't want that for me. So they really genuinely are trying to get me to convert to a religion or a way of thinking about God that they really believe they're save me. So their intention is completely pure, but their means is very... And, you know, at the end of the day, I can't say that they're not right. I certainly don't know. I don't have a crystal ball to see what happens. I can't imagine that, that they could be right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's like if I'm operating from my sense of God, my understanding of God, my understanding of love... Boy, you know that's just a mess, isn't it? Because then you know, you know how it's a perfect example, a microcosm of the macrocosm. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect example of how in our day-to-day lives, with people we really care about, you know, it, that's what's happening on a huger scale when we then look at nations, mm-hmm. and you know, or we look at races in terms of ethnicity. It's like the group dynamic and the group norms and the group assumptions butting heads with one another when really it's all happening within a bigger circle that's God, that spirit. And so, you know, I since since I don't since I do believe that God is a God of love, you know, I I actually have pretty strong beliefs that there is nothing that is godlike about war. Mm-hmm. Because there is no no sense of my power over you mm-hmm. will make you do what's right. Because God doesn't do that. God says you're human. We've give, I've given humanity free will and free choice. Right. And you can choose what you do. And if you do, if you act and live from the principles of God, which include love, then there's no reason for there to be war, for there to be killing, for there to be any of that. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to the idea that if we are all living in our pure sense of who we are, you know, justice would be a non-issue because we wouldn't be out of alignment with, <clears throat> I guess part of the human experience you people keep talking about is the uh, the idea that there has to be some external boundaries established so we can live reasonably one with the other <laughs> and um, and not be left to our animal instincts as Ooh, human beings. Animal instincts. Mm, mm, mm. So would karma be spiritual justice? Would the concept of karma, whatever I put out into the world, whatever I do to another, comes back to me in terms of if I cause pain for you, then I am setting up a scenario where at some point I'm going to be in pain or have pain come to me. If I lie to you, am I setting up a scenario where others will lie to me? If I do something to put fear into you, you get it, you know, a foot for a foot, eye for an eye, toe for a toe, thumbnail for a thumbnail kind of thing. 
That's a very interesting question. Energetically. Energetically. Not not literally. It's not a literal thing. It comes back, you know, energetically in different ways. Very interesting question. And I, I don't know. I think... Um, I think maybe. <laughs> and and partly I'm laughing because, of course, yesterday in the meetings that I've been doing the last the two days, um, I've been talking about survey results. And you know how when you take a survey, there you, you have options. You have always yeah. at one end of the scale and never at the other end of the scale. Right. And I have been really aware that it is, really difficult for me to choose always or never. Oh, yeah. Because right. I'm always thinking, well, it's not always. It could be always. that one time when it's not. And never, well, nothing's never. I never <laughs> say never because it could be that one time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, so karma, uh, do I think, well, yeah, maybe, sort of. <laughs> I kind of get that. You don't want to commit to all Well, and, and I think because what, what I was Processing in my mind was this idea of karma that if you hurt someone, you will be hurt. Maybe by them and maybe not. Oh, not necessarily by them. That karma is about that. It is the energy of it, right? The energy shows up again. However, what's different about karma in my mind is that we also, karma has more, seems to have more leeway in our use of it. To also include the love idea. Oh, it does. Oh, yes, that's karma. Sure. That the energy of right. love comes yes. back. Yes. And a lot of times when we talk about justice, yes. we Good only point. talk about it in the context of injustice. Good point. When something, you have done something that we have labeled bad or wrong, justice must be served, that it may, must be corrected. Right. Paid for. It must be paid for to balance it out. And I can't think of any examples when I've heard justice used where, oh, Mother Teresa gave so much of her life. Right. And so it would only be justice if we set up a new foundation, a new charity that gave that much more. Wouldn't that be interesting if we did use that? I'd like that word better. Yeah, I mean, that's what just that word. after 50 minutes of talking about it, that's mm-hmm. kind of what just clicked. Mm-hmm. So with karma, I think more of it's regardless, positive, yes. quote unquote, positive or negative. Right. The energy, as you said, the energy comes back to into your life mm-hmm. um, in equal measure. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, yes. Would you say always? Can you come? Can you, can you comfortably go all the way to the left-hand side of the paper and say always? No. Or is it the right-hand side? It always is usually on the right-hand side, isn't it? Either way, my answer is no. You know the answer. I can. I'll just dive off. But that must be kind of where we have to end because we are very almost to the end. But Leslie does. I think I think it's an always. Yeah, but you that would fit because you're much more black, black and, and white, white. Even though we're black and white, I'm not <laughs> black and white. Okay, so um, thanks so much for tuning in today and do this um, amazing, maybe totally useless conversation <laughs> about justice in the context of saying yes to spirit. We hope that you will join us. Please check online for our schedule. We will be moving the show for the next couple of weeks, and I, we promise that by the end of May we will have settled on the new standard time for the show. Um, so until we talk again, please say yes to spirit.